Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Postcards from a Dying World. My name is Desmond Reddick, the usual host of uh, Dread Media, but I'm your co-host this week. And with me is Grant Womack. Grant, you want to introduce yourself? Oh, hey, my name is uh, Grant Womack. <clears throat> I'm the author of God's Leftovers, Black Gypsies, a few other books, Tarot Reader, Jiu-Jitsu Addict. You know, I do it all. So. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and we're smooth. here to talk. It's very smooth. Yeah. We're here to talk about uh, a brand new book coming out. And uh, we have both of the authors. I'm willing to bet you guys could probably figure it out. First up, we have Anthony Trevino. Welcome, Anthony. Hey, uh, what's going on? Do you mean to introduce um, myself like Grant did? Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, we need a big <laughs> intro. Uh, dude, I should have done my WWE intro. You could have played some fucking like shitty new metal. And in I'm this out. corner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm Anthony Trevino. Um, I am the co-writer of most recently what we're here to talk about. Um, then I co-wrote another novel with uh, Ryan C. Thomas. And I just kind of do very random film stuff film critic stuff here and there i don't know i wasn't prepared guys i haven't done this in a while <laughs> i've been hey, living you, in my own head for too long you wrote a novella called King yeah Space i don't want to talk about that one anymore that's that's old <laughs> hey i like that, that novella shit's a old. Lot. that shit's old this is bad pr anthony bad yeah, pr it, yeah. that's what i'm good at <laughs> uh, well, if people want to learn more about Hissers. Uh, I interviewed you for on this here show with That's Ryan. Right. So, yeah, yeah, great book, Hissers Three. And of course, everybody recognizes the voice of the usual host of this podcast, David Akernoff. Hello, hello. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'm just uh, here to talk about this here book, um, Nightmare City. But Nightmare we'll, City. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, yeah. If you don't know me, that would be weird. But if you don't, um, uh, because I'm 96 episodes into this podcast. Hey, man, they might have come to this episode strictly for me, Grant, and Desmond. That is very true. And for that reason, I am the author of (laughs) Rock Ghost Story, uh, Boot Boys of the Wolf Reich, uh, Goddamn Killing Machines, and uh, next summer, my next solo novel coming out, uh, The Last Night to Kill Nazis. Uh, which Desmond is one of two people in the world that's actually read it so so far. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, for a very short Lucky time. Lucky few. Lucky few for a very short too. time. Yeah. 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 But he was my first reader. So, and uh, but between now and then, uh, we have another book, um, the one that had a much longer gestation period. Uh, <laughs> and I'm super happy and proud to talk about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let's let's go back to the beginning. Do you want me to host the whole show like this? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I'm just doing it naturally at this point. But... <laughs> that was the idea. All right. All right. Where where? Well, may, when did you guys meet? I mean, that that's when the collaboration started at the very beginning, right? Oh, this is a very funny story. Do you want to start that, Anthony? I don't. I'm gonna take a nap. I've heard this <laughs> so many fucking times. I haven't heard this. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, um, go ahead, David. So we met um, at Comic-Con, but it wasn't just meeting at Comic-Con. Um, I was invited by uh, author Cody Goodfellow. He said, hey, um, I'm protesting the Southern Baptist uh, church like psychos. 
um, for Cthulhu. Do you want to come down and, and join me? And he had like a megaphone and like a giant fish stapled to his like, you know, his um, Cthulhu breakfast hat. Right. And he right. had signs like, what would Cthulhu do? And all this stuff. And he was protesting like they're the, the people that go outside of Comic-Con and are like, you're going to hell for dressing like right. Flash. And uh, <laughs> that's right. That's one and, of the seven deadly sins, by the way. Yeah. And Cody, if anybody knows, like Cody with a megaphone is just absolutely hilarious. So, of course, I went. And the only other person who was there protesting on behalf of, <laughs> of the Lovecraftian gods was uh, this guy, Anthony Trevito. <laughs> and uh, so it's a pretty fun way to start a friendship. But, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, protesting for Cthulhu against um, like Christian psychos. So that Perfect. was kind of fun. And uh, so that's where we first met. And uh, this book came from a very specific. We took a trip to um, AWP in LA, which if anyone knows, I thought it was going to be something useful for writers. But really, the only thing useful that came out of it was the drive to and from. <laughs> right. With yeah. uh, Anthony and I had for a long time wanted to write like a horror crime saga. You know, basically on the way back, I said to Anthony, hey, would you want to write this with me? And we started spitballing ideas like on the um, drive back from from L.A., basically. Right and um, and uh, Anthony, you know, who's the very, you know, cheery, um, upbeat, like, uh, you know, uh, part of the partnership was just like, of course, super gung ho. Um, but what he basically uh, what what's, what was really cool about the partnership is and, and what I knew from the beginning and the main <clears throat> reason why I asked Anthony was because not only because Anthony has um a really intense knowledge of the genre right and i knew he was a talented writer um and at that point hadn't really published anything this was even i think before kings was this before king space void yeah or, it was before oh wow yeah and uh but uh, i knew the i knew he was talented and it was and i had fun arguing movies with anthony and because we disagree a lot and argue with each other a lot on movies um i actually thought that would help the partnership because i thought it would create something that one of the things i like about collaborating is you can end up with something that neither one of you could do on your own right right so yeah yeah and so the original idea and i think the first you know we we've used this even you know pitching it to publishers and stuff is uh i think the first thing i said to him was i wanted to see the wire if clive barker was on the writing staff like a young clive barker and then it kind of morphed into if clive barker and philip k dick were on the writing staff right right <laughs> but um you know because this was like way before we started um dickheads the podcast we've been a part of for the last too many years um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that's how this kind of started um at least from my perspective cool cool now uh did it start as as a tv series was that the yeah. first I, first idea 
Anthony? Yeah, it initially started as a, as a, a TV show. So we wrote the pilot, and then we wrote, I can't remember, it was the first, the subsequent two episodes after that. So the first three episodes, or is, did we write four episodes? We wrote four total. Remember. Yeah. Um, so we that have the actually, first season outline. Yeah, so right. that laid the groundwork for a, a lot of the novel, even though, to be quite honest, the, the novel really is only the pilot in a couple of things switched here and there from later episodes. We never got to do any of my favorite stuff from the TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think both of us think that, um, and Anthony took lead on, because what we did to write the episodes is we really workshopped the pilot together really intensely. Right. And then um, I kind of took lead on episode two. Anthony took lead on episode three, and then I took lead on episode four. But of course, each draft went back and forth between us a lot. And what Anthony did with episode three, and unfortunately, and this sounds like a really backhanded way to say buy lots of books so you can, so we have an excuse to write more of this. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's true. Yeah. Um, but episode three and what Anthony did for episode three is, is mind bogglingly good. And um, I hope we get to get there someday either as um, a series of books or, or, or as a TV series. And I, and I do or think both. <laughs> has, yeah, both. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Like, like I said, <laughs> buy lots of copies so we can do that. And, um, but yeah. Um, so that's, we kind of really started it. We envisioned it first as, as, as a TV series. And um, certainly if we had more connections and knew how to sell it, we, we would have uh, stayed put with it under that concept. Um, but once we got to writing it as a novel, I, re I really like how it lives as a novel because we got to deepen the mythology and really like kind of expand it. Um, so I, I do, I'm glad we got to write it as a novel too. So, um, which That's is cool. just us basically saying like, you know, we want to make sure we control this story and get to do it so a really great way to do that is make sure that you know that we publish it and do it and and so that was part of the thinking and turning it into a novel so cool uh grant i should have said this earlier but jump in if you have a question please yeah i was gonna say um how was the actual writing process do you guys do chapter by chapter and you pass it back and forth or how did that go? Um, well, uh, you know, it's funny because Anthony and I are very different in our writing styles because Anthony's more of a pantser and I'm more of an outliner. And because you're working on a collaboration, you really have no choice. Like even, you know, Stephen King, who hates his notoriously hates outlining, you know, has admitted that when he's worked either even with his sons or with Peter Straub, that he had to do some outlining because if you're you're going to do a novel together you're going to have to and so it's harder for me to remember how we did the screenplays uh but with the book the screenplays were done each of us did the full episode and then sent it to the other one um but the book is okay. chapter is chapter by chapter so david would write a chapter he'd send it to me i'd read it i'd revise it i'd write the next chapter and i'd send send it to him and then we just kind of pitch back and forth yeah, it's kind of like playing tennis. 
You're kind of hitting it back and forth. And then um, I think that's how you worked with Edward Morris too, right? Yeah, it was similar structure. Um, one real difference between um, writing with Ed and writing with Anthony is that Ed and I are like um, both very fast writers and like almost competitive about like, here, I wrote this chapter in 15 nanoseconds, so <laughs> go. Whereas Anthony, um, and this is to Anthony's credit, Anthony is very methodical about how he writes. And like, there was no like racing with Anthony. It was like, no, nah, I'm going to take my fucking time, dude. So, like, <laughs> and um, so yeah, that's good. why you won't see a new novella for me until like next year or two years from now or eight years from now. Who the fuck knows? Nothing wrong with being a slow writer. <laughs> no, there's nothing. And, and it was good because it slowed us down a little bit in a good way. And there were certainly times where I was like, okay, what's going on with this chapter? And a lot of times, like when, when it would come through, and this was a fun part of the process of collaborating for me, is that, um, you know, that feeling when you read a new book and you got a writer who really like does something cool that you're not expecting. I got to experience that a lot with Anthony sending me chapters that are even ones that, you know, we outlined together in meetings and then, something really cool would happen on the page. Um, I mean, that happens, I'm sure, the other way too, but um, but a lot of times it was like, um, you know, it was funny because I'd be like, okay, where's this chapter? And then it'd come through and I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, that's, <laughs> you know. Um, and, uh, and it was good because, like I said, I, I, I'm just really, really fast and, and, and I know this and sometimes I need to slow down and it, it's a good thing for me to, uh, or one of the things that really benefited this book and that collaboration was the differences in the two differences in our styles and writing that way and kind of coming up with something else. And excuse me, we also had a lot of moments where, especially in talking about the characters and, you know, this book has a lot of unique characters and there were times too, where we would, and some of the characters are based on real people that we either one of us knew but the other person didn't know so a lot of times we had really hilarious conversations about these characters that things that didn't even end up in the books but like or, or the stories but just like you know saying like nah dog he wouldn't do that it, it, this guy wouldn't be this way or that way and um it was really interesting and fun to live in a novel with somebody else right right in, right in this way Real, because, real shared, shared world. Right, right. And, and, and because how unique this world was, there was a lot of things, for example, um, and a lot, of, a lot of it was like, uh, I was really obsessed with, and I know more about Seattle and the setting. I've spent more time there. And I did a lot of like drawing maps of, of the region and, and doing these things. And then more, Anthony was really focused on uh, on the characters right in a way more so than and whereas like i did more of the same although we both talked about it a lot and i had like like the pit the area that a lot of the book takes place in we had very detailed maps and things that no one but us would see but right. you know we knew the geography of it very well right cool well i mean 
drawing maps is fun. I I have one for that novel that you've read and very few others have <laughs> read about mine. And no one needs to see it because it does look like a four-year-old drew it, but uh, it really helped me uh, outline, you know, where things were in my uh, in my mm. project. Right? Are you talking about your Ghost Kid novel? Yeah. Yeah. You got you got to publish kid, that thing. Kid dude. Ghost. It's, yeah. I got I got to so I got to yeah figure out who to send it to first. <laughs> <laughs> well uh you ever need a blurb for it i love that thing it was great so it needs to be out there perfect but thank you <laughs> yeah and 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 you know the maps are i think are really really important flesh trade that i wrote with ed that that whole city was or the whole planet was was mapped out too so yeah i i agree with you right what did you have star charts too like <laughs> <laughs> a little bit yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wild <laughs> Ah, uh, very cool. Well, we should talk about the characters. So, and I, I mean, I guess also shit. Maybe tell people what what the book's about. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess I spoil <laughs> it, but <laughs> right. Um, well, and... I have a question before we do that. I actually have a question for Grant and Desmond. Um, sure. As yeah. far as characters go and as far as dialogue goes, you know, what what worked for you guys? And if there was anything that maybe didn't work, just because for me, it's always important to kind of know, like, how those characters are interpreted. Because I can sit here all day and, like, think of the characters in my head, but I'm always curious about, like, how they look to, to other people, especially, like, other other people like like you guys. Grant, you, go, you go ahead. All right. Yeah, I, f I felt like the dialogue flowed well. Like the cop, I don't remember everyone's names. So Nate. mind me. Yeah, Nate, there we go. So Nate, I feel like every chapter, very consistent. I never was, uh, the spell wasn't broken in any of his dialogue. So I thought it was great. Uh, what's the girl's name with the uh, body modification? Trish. 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 Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm shit at names too. <laughs> so I couldn't remember. Yeah. I remember names. Yeah, I but... feel like she was very well done too. I remember getting caught. I remember I liked their little spicy escapade. Um <laughs> for sure. Uh also, you know, the other thing, just me being a person of color, I'm always kind of looking like, you know, how are the black characters and how are the people of color talking? And I thought it was well done. It wasn't like I have like a big, uh, what do you call it? It just annoys me when people write character, people of color like they're from the 90s, you know? Right. Um, it's very annoying to me. So so I felt like that was very well done too. But yeah, in general, I like I liked the dialogue a lot. That was smooth, you know, flowed well. It's, uh, it's uh, credited to Anthony on, on, on a lot of the dialogue. And um as far as I, I know what you're saying, Grant, because I feel that way with it ever radical environmentalists or in any movies or anything. Yeah, <laughs> they're they they always are so ridiculous. <laughs> like because that's monkeys. totally the same, David. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> but it, you know, it's it's funny you say that because I'm I'm like I don't know, just like a third of the way through reading, you know, rereading, but it's in a new volume, the the Milestone Compendium. Uh, it's like 1300 pages of comics from DC's milestone imprint from the nineties. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's a, a majority 
<laughs> this is a stupid way of saying it, but uh, I'm not an English teacher right now and I'm tired. Uh, it's a majority minority creative group. Mm. And so it's, you know, it's like comics about black people and Hispanic people uh, by black people and Hispanic people, uh, which is really great. And the comics are really fantastic in most most cases. But also you have to remember that these are it's the same bullshit from any teenage show. It's 40 year old guys writing, you know, writing dialogue for teenagers in 1993. And it's like, mm, that reference doesn't pan out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and something that uh, it's kind of important in this part of the discussion is the characters were really important because if the characters didn't come off as real, we were toast. Yeah. Um, in, in this situation, because, um, you know, well, the the setting and we can talk about that is very science fictional in the sense that we envisioned a near future where the American Midwest and parts of the East Coast have been turned into a dust bowl, uh, basically because of climate change. And it's created a refugee situation on the West Coast specifically the, the Pacific Northwest. And so it's the Seattle of Nightmare City is very different from Seattle as it stands right now. It's not the same Seattle. And um, so we kind of envisioned a whole different place. Now, the geography is the same in the sense that, um, you know, uh, the the most of the action takes place in the southern part of uh seattle which is mostly factories now and a lot of lockheed martin and stuff like that so it was my idea that if you were going to build like a refugee uh contained like ghetto space you're going to do it in this part of seattle right and so it created a natural division Mm -hmm. in the story between the techies that live north of downtown and downtown in the north and the the people in the south and that created you know, kind of, um, you know, the template for the commentary that we wanted to do about systematic racism. Now, we never, Anthony and I never said like, hey, let's do commentary about systematic racism. And, you know, we just decided we wanted, we, we just started building this story and that kind of came out of it. Right. It wasn't intentional. You know, um, there's plenty of, uh, I guess you would say message in there, but not, um, we weren't being... You know, this wasn't an idea that we were like, let's get in our soapbox and and, and point fingers at anyone. It was just um, kind of naturally flowed out of how we see the world and how the story kind of came about. So right. in that sense, uh, the, the, the I guess I gave a little bit of that, but the story is um, uh, Nate Washington is a disgraced FBI agent who um, is... Uh, has used to work undercover in this neighborhood, grew up in this area, and is, um, you know, kind of on the outs. And uh, right around the beginning of the novel, there's a series of kidnappings and um, of children. And thus begins a mystery. And um, there's also a cult who um, uh, harvest... Uh, uh, nightmares for reasons uh, they believe for spiritual reasons that they um, need uh, 
the nightmares of children, which is why they're kidnapping these children. Of course, you know, Nate, that's part of the mystery that Nate's trying to discover. And thus uh, gives us kind of the um, metaphysical kind of Clive Barkery type of dark fantasy setup mixed with crime. And that's kind of what, what we were going for with Nightmare City. But then we get to do all the kind of ground level characters. Right. Which were really fun. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think it works uh it works pretty naturally. You know, and, and you know, like Grant said, the de- uh, the dialogue is fantastic and it flows and it just works. And uh yeah, it is sort of this near future uh thing with uh, climate refugees in Seattle and and genetic modification and you know, like a boogeyman uh, kidnapping children and just sort of smashes it all together and it works seamlessly. Well, and the idea there is, is that you have a whole world that you could build out because the original idea was a TV series, right? Right. So the original idea was is that you have, you could do Monster of the Week episodes and you could do mythology episodes, kind of like how right. the X-Files did. And you have this setting where um, you can do all kinds. Well, the novel has a contained story with Nate and all those things. But what we're doing is setting up that you could have uh, literally thousands of stories set in in, uh, Nightmare City, like with more science fictional stories, more horror stories, um, more of those kinds of things. And then with all the different characters, you could eventually explore different things. And keep in mind, like the body modification, for example, is something that we didn't really we 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 did eventually in the series kind of get into that. But like like the the people who uh, are genetically engineering themselves to be more animal like and things like that, that that was an outgrowth of the novel more more so. Um, We originally kind of saw more is that people would have tech modifications, you know, like they'd have internal like technology and and and. Um, Trish was kind of a character that just like, I don't even remember which one of us did it, but somebody was just like, oh, she has tiger stripes. (laughs) And then the next thing you know, we're building all this mythology about like people like genetically engineering themselves to be more like different animals and things like that. And that was, that was completely not planned. And oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of came out of it. I mean, we, we built more of it as it was going, but um i'm not sure who which one of us like just kind of wrote that in but it was you okay (laughs) (laughs) i remember this yeah it it was you okay it was you and then i decided if we were going to do that then we might as well punch it up and you know because i don't mind stuff that's like vague in background but when i watch stuff or i read stuff one of my biggest complaints is like i like this but if they had just kind of jacked it up to 11 it would feel more impactful Right. right. So to me, it just made the more sense to kind of take it to the edge of being almost cartoonish, but not quite getting there. With with like the the body mod stuff being kind of relating more to like gene splicing with animal DNA. Yeah. Right. And right. one of yeah, my I favorite know it... moments in the novel is when Trish goes to uh this like super tech club that where like all the music is internal. Like, so like the club is completely silent except for the sounds of the people dancing, but they carry it inside their heads. And like, 
there's all kinds of weird shit going on with the tech in this club and it's a really it's not it has nothing to do with the story well it kind of moves the story forward but like it's one of my favorite settings in the, in the book so yeah it's I, cool yeah and and right around the corner right yeah. and there's there's all there's already the clubs with the headphones or whatever right right so, so that's like that's like a natural expansion from that and, and yeah, I mean, sometimes you'll watch a show or a movie or read a book and be like, God damn, man, like, I really love this world that they've created, but I don't really like the story. And that's not the case here. It's a it's a really cool world with a shitload of like a myriad. <laughs> I'll be a little classier, a myriad <laughs> of of story ideas that you could write there, you know, and, and this one is great but it's also setting up a great world. So you got both there. Right. Thank you. I appreciate that, Des. And, and um, you know, obviously we believe that there's a lot more potential for growth and expansion of the story, but, you know, it, it, we, we, were, we, worked for the, we worked on this for four years, okay? Yeah. And um, I, I, I think I can speak for Anthony in the sense that, that we're, we're really proud of, of um i rarely try to speak for anthony but uh <laughs> I, I rarely do but i am anthony is proud. that true <laughs> i'm very i mean proud. you're you're on facebook you see you see what he posts you know that's a lie <laughs> come on man <laughs> yeah I, I am very proud of this book and uh you know i think um and one of the things i'm really proud of is the third voice but you know again and like, I know you wanted to talk about a little bit about the characters, and I think we can go a little bit deeper into some of the side characters, because I think they're one of the things that I really appreciate about this book, too. And a lot of those, and that's another one of the reasons why I really wanted to work with, with Anthony on this, is because we both had two unique ways into the characters in this, in, in the sense that, um, uh, and there's just no no way around me talking talking about this, but for activist-related reasons... Um, I, I spent time in prison. So, uh, a lot of these characters are real people that, um, that I know from that situation, but, uh, Anthony also, because of his childhood and, and, you know, what you had to deal with as a kid, I knew that you were going to bring characters or aspects to, to these people. And you can either talk about it or not. Anthony, but uh, but I thought that that was something that I knew we both would have different aspects that we could bring to this is is um, people that we knew that seemed like they would inhabit this world. Right. Yeah, I don't like 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 with the exception of Polk, I preferred to have there not be really any straight up villains. So it's important for me that every character get like every character should you should feel empathetic towards them. You should understand them. They shouldn't feel like a caricature. And so that's why I, I reference Polk because he is really the only one that kind of is your what he's I would kind call of our your, Elon your, Musk of this. Yeah, novel. he's your yeah. he's right. your stock. He's your stock primary like villain avatar. Right. <laughs> but for for all like the other side characters, it was just really important for me that they be fully realized and that they not not be just like I'm trying to think of a good example, like a bad guy you would see on CSI. Right. Right. Written by some 40 something year old white dude who's like never been outside his house. Right. Like, that's what I was trying to avoid. 
Yeah, and, and but some of the characters, um, like Mop and Bumblebee, um, and, and are are real life people <laughs> that I knew. Um, and, we uh, we probably talked to you. You probably mentioned one of them because we talked about people that you met in prison the first time we met. I don't know if it was in the actual interview, maybe after, but right. Yeah. yeah, and and though they're Mop and Bumblebee, like, um, and they're two <clears throat> kind of um, the the gangster characters, uh, but they're they're real life dudes, and um, uh, not necessarily uh, Mop wasn't exactly a person I I really liked <laughs> or had a good relationship <laughs> with, but he was a person that I knew, and um, and. Uh, uh, on the on the other sense that though Bumblebee was was somebody that uh, was was somebody I was pretty friendly with and and um, from the moment I met them they they were going to be characters in something um, right. they were um, very interesting people and and um, so and I think they come off as I hope they come off as being very real and one of the cool things for me was seen and this is part of anthony's skill is that um i knew mop and bumblebee but when anthony was writing scenes for mop and bumblebee and i'm like yep got it nailed it um you know that was that was that was really cool because um i just saw him getting it and uh that was a neat thing to see they're very much the rosencrantz and gildenstern of (laughs) of this book (laughs) so now they were certainly my favorite to write for honestly um they provide what is important to me in any book that has more like serious or like overtones which is levity yeah for sure And so i think they really do function as as the humor for the book yeah they were they were hilarious people so they made (laughs) hilarious characters too so (laughs) um you know which is fun and then um but yeah, so and then also I think um Novak, who's our kind of like downtrodden cop character, Novak was um uh very much Anthony's creation. And um like a lot of times when we were outlining and sketching which chapters were gonna be done by who, uh if it was a Novak chapter, it was Anthony's chapter, um, because he's a character that um and I think part of it was uh, his single dadness, um, and something that, um, in, something about that, I just, I felt, felt like Anthony really, um, he had a really good handle on Novak as a character. And every time he wrote him, um, I, I felt really good about it. And, and also like, if there was a line of dialogue with Novak that I didn't feel comfortable with, or that I wanted to change, I was always very nervous to do that. Uh, to, because it was so much of uh, Anthony's creation, and um, and I I felt like he just really nailed that character. So um, if if and when people read the book, um, I think they'll 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 get a lot out of that character because I think, um, yeah, he's very 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 rich character and very important to the story too. Yeah, I I loved him. I love the uh, just like constantly disappointing his daughter and. You know, the daughter knows all about it. <laughs> it's just a day to day, right? He's he's a very real character. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we we really needed to um, because there is some uh, mustache twirliness of the <laughs> um, of the cult, 
And we knew that. And um, to ground this novel, a lot of it, um, and because of the science fictional aspects in it, the, the, the grounding of the characters was incredibly important. And the characters had, had to be real. And, um, you know, that's something that Anthony, um, you know, really hammered home from the beginning was, you know, like, I because we, we would talk about it in shorthand a lot of times. And sometimes it would just be like, you know, Anthony would roll his eyes at me if something of the characters didn't seem real or, or whatever and just be like, you know, no, that that we we need we need to make them <laughs> we need to make them focused and real and all that. So you know, I am interested though, since you guys have both read it, um as an opportunity, uh, uh, Grant, starting maybe with Grant, but um, you know, uh like I'm sure there's a <laughs> there's a bit of nervousness anytime you go into reading a book by somebody who you're friendly with. Your friends yeah, absolutely. With, you know, <laughs> absolutely. you're like, oh God, please be good. Please be good. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm wondering because you know what we're obviously trying to do here is get people to read the book and take a chance on it. We know there's a lot of media out there, and to get people's attention to get their eyeballs on a book is hard enough. Yeah, right. But you know, what was your experience reading this book, starting with Grant? Because you know, we're the authors of it. So of course we love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I did have that slight fear. I was like, man, I hope I don't hate this and, you know, have to make up some reason why I can't blurb it, but I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. Um, the opening, I feel like is such a banger, like, but it speaks to a lot of my interests, like dreams and cults and the occult and magic and all that it had all those elements so you guys did amazing job with that because I was like really on board after I read that I said oh shit like this is gonna this is gonna be good you know um but yeah it's really good I mean kind of like my blurb I do think great world building I did think true detective I did think black mirror kind of like a mash blend of the two but unique in its own way and kind of like you said there's so much room for this world there's so many stories you could tell um and it just has a nice balance of elements like it is serious there are some serious themes there's humor um there's some spicy moments so you know i i think a lot of people would enjoy it even if you're not the stereotypical sci-fi fan or you know I think people should give it a chance. It's fun, you know. Yes. So. Yeah, I I agree <laughs> with everything he's, everything he said. We're done. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I I guess you could say this is uh, it's urban fantasy, right? Uh, yeah. It fits I, the I, bill. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I yeah, kinda. It, I think it is like a genre mashup because it's it's sci-fi, it's horror, it's you know, Lynn. Right. I'm really grateful for what Grant just said. Grant, thank you so much. Um, no problem. Uh, if if my like the intent, at least for me going into it, was to make sure that it does feel like more of a genre, a blend of genres instead of just here's a straight up sci-fi novel, here's a straight up horror novel. So thank you for thank you for saying that, Grant. It means a lot. Yeah. yeah, so it just it just it, it has a lot of the hallmarks, but 
you know, I also tend not to like it too much when I when I see that subgenre in movies or you know, like like Bright. I was like, oh man, there's like there's like fucking 15 stories I want to see set in this world, and it's not this movie, but I <laughs> I'm really, really digging what's happening here. Is it because deep down you knew wise. it was written by Max Landis? <laughs> it might have been that. It might have been that. <laughs> it might have that been does that. not help. No, it definitely doesn't. But you know, uh, and I did I didn't have that here. And it's because it's, you know, it's something that I generally like I have two works in progress that would that would fit the bill, but I tend not to enjoy it too much when I see it. But I really enjoyed it here. And I think it because it is um, you know, uh Oh shit, Grant just said, uh, sorry, what you say? You said Black Mirror, True Detective. And I think there's like The Wire is definitely there, just with this wide cross section of the population of the city that are all going to meet each other at some point. Everything from, you know, beyond beyond the main character, you have the genetically modified girl, you have uh, you have the cop who's in the system and, you know, he's, he's doesn't have the best home life because he's fucking up with his daughter. And then, you know, you've got these guys who are gangsters that want uh, the main character dead because of because of the past. And then you got kids disappearing. But then you've got uh, it's just more and more. You got the reporter. You got the corporate people. Right. Like it's there's this huge sort of uh, world that's created and a giant cross section where it's not just. You know, it's not just cops against gen genetically modified guys. No, it's like it's this story within this big, rich world that we're seeing a good cross section of in the novel. And I think that's what that's what really makes it work. Well, and we were trying to seed lots of stories and that's the idea, right. you know, um, and uh, I, yeah. But thank you, guys. That, that doesn't mean a lot to me. And, you know, Grant pointing out like he has no idea how hard we worked on this that opening chapter <laughs> yeah it's great the opening chapter well, was was one we uh because that doesn't exist in the um that doesn't exist in the tv pilot that, uh, that's what i was gonna say because i've read the pilot and then i'm like yeah. okay so open it up you know take it and start starting off nightmare city the book and i'm like holy shit what the fuck is this this is great <laughs> yeah. yeah the pilot opens with uh them trying to rob what they think is the stash house which i think is like chapter oh, two or right. three right right like, right like deep. yeah yeah it's been a couple years <laughs> since i've read it so yeah right and um i just remembered there wasn't really a cult in it <laughs> well no the cult was going to come into it later see that's right. the thing is when we were developing it as a tv series we we were saving that um right. as as a reveal um which actually the 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 reveal part is in the book so um just not it, it it just you know we just opened with them yeah but i think right. i i like that it's i think it was the right decision you know story-wise but oh for is, sure it is interesting and different and and but we worked really hard on that opening chapter because um uh we knew how important it was for laying the groundwork for uh for uh, yeah, I forgot, Des, that you read the the pilot before reading the novels. So yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's great. It, it helps the reader like start, like everything is disoriented and like, what the fuck is going on? And that's, that's also sort of what's going on with that character at the very beginning. And it's a really great opening to the, to the book for sure. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah. So um, uh, nightmare city is uh, available now. <laughs> uh, you can get it on, uh, on Amazon. Uh, obviously. Um, I think eventually maybe in um, the early part of next year, we might do an event at verbatim in San Diego um, for, uh, and if, um, if people want to get signed books, um, you know, they can contact us like uh, Anthony and I don't live that far from each other. So we can sign books eventually for people if that's something that they really want. Um, And uh, uh, but but really, honestly, like uh, this is a four-year labor of love, so it's something that that we really hope people will will check out. Um, and you know, uh, I, I think that this book, if you take the time to sit down with it, you'll be rewarded with 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 a story that um, that is kind of fresh and original. We believe it is. Uh, but at the same time, we'll have hallmarks that you can feel comfortable with, like. Um, you know, we wear our influences on our sleeves a little bit. And uh, if you love early Clive Barker, I think I think this is something that you will like. I, you I love, love her. I love early Clive Barker. Right. <laughs> um, and Bang. I think, you know, you know, that was one of the big influences on that. But, um, you know, anyways, uh, Anthony, is there anything that you want to say? Less. No, uh, no. I think you pretty much got it all squared away. If people are like, "Man, fuck Amazon," they can just hit me up. I'll have copies. Ain't no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll have copies. Yeah. Cool. And um, and that's good. Uh, um, and people can uh uh find us online very pretty easily. I'll, um, and uh, yes, David never leaves Facebook. <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram because I very rarely use Facebook. Uh, well, right. And um, uh, Greg, can you tell people about your new book before we go? Um, I'll do a brief plug just because obviously this is about your guys' book. But um, God's Leftovers, basically a cannibal book, kind of like The Hills Have Eyes type of flavor uh, a group of people get stranded in the desert get trapped with a group of hippie cannibals and shit hits the fan and similar to early clive barker if you like that and a little surrealism sprinkled in you'll probably love god's leftovers so it's on amazon and uh wherever else books are sold so it's pretty dope pretty violent you know. <laughs> uh, it's definitely <laughs> on my list i'll be getting it soon <laughs> um des you have a podcast that comes out every week you I have do. how many episodes um i don't know i i try and blanket blanket out because it kind of <laughs> drives me crazy and i actually can't think it's 796 came out this past monday so uh wow. i'm a month away from 800 straight weeks of dread media so you can find it at uh, dreadmedia.com all of the um you know podcatchers uh, i'm on the social medias as dread media 
And uh, I have a debut novel, which is uh, Mother of Abominations. And it's um, full of like espionage, intrigue, uh, like military action and giant kaiju fights. So if that sounds up your alley, then uh, what did I say? I said it was like uh, The Devil's Own meets Aleister Crowley and uh, and throw the Loch Ness Monster in. and uh, And that's the book uh yeah that's that and apparently i have a book if hey if anybody wants to publish a dark superhero pastiche that asks the question what would it really be like if a, if a teen sidekick grew up as a, a killing machine and then left the superhero that was responsible for it all that book is awesome i've read it <laughs> that, that does sound good it is thank you it is really good um it's the uh, dark Robin origin story you didn't know you needed. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's great stuff. And it's very, uh, for, for people who like like uh, the urban set stories, I think uh, it'll work work for that too. So, oh, thanks. Um, yeah, let's stop talking about it. <laughs> this is embarrassing. I need to get it published. <laughs> you know, he's somebody has, you never know who's going to be out there listening, right? So, Please. Um, on that note, um, I, uh, will be talking to everybody again, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, nightmare city is out there and I really appreciate you guys coming and talking to me and Anthony about this because, um, you know, we're just really stoked to have it out in the world and I'm uh, glad I don't have to only talk to David about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. True. Bye nightmare city, man. <laughs> Bye nightmare city. Yes. All right. And uh, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye, Nightmare City, and we'll uh, maybe we'll talk again soon. Bye. <laughs>